excuse me, for a mission trip, and uh, they came back yesterday. I would like for as many of them who went on that trip who were here in the early service this morning, would you just stand up and let us see you? And let's just give them a really big hand. Guys, thanks for your ministry. Thanks. I heard it was life-changing, powerful, awesome. Heard many good reports. You may be seated. I was picking up on this kind of funky smell right behind me, and uh, I turned around. I said, Luke, you didn't get a chance to wash your T-shirt, your uh, Kentucky T-shirt, did you? He said, not yet, but uh, I love Luke, man. He's awesome, and uh, he's going to get that thing right in the washer today. Um, we're just glad y'all are here. Thanks for coming to Whitley Church, and some of you may be kind of looking around for a church, and let me tell you what we uh, would say to you. You go where God tells you to go. I want you to know you're welcome here. We hope God tells you to stay here. We, we hope that. Got to admit that. But he might not. He might tell you that, that there's another church he needs you to be in and to help and to serve in that church. It's all the body of Christ. We're not in competition with anybody. We lift up one another in prayer. And uh, we're just glad you're here. And uh, we want you to just be a part of our service um, this morning. Uh, we will let you be a visitor for about 10 minutes, and then you're one of us, okay? Is that all right? <clears throat> We're in the 23rd Psalm this summer. If you haven't noticed that, wow, it just breaks my heart. But... Um, We've been in the 23rd Psalm since the first weekend in June, and we're on verse 3. We're trying to squeeze all the juice out of the 23rd Psalm, and we're in the third sermon, and this is the fourth part of the third sermon, and this sermon is entitled, How to Get Strong in God and Stay Strong in God. Anybody interested in that? How to get right with God and stay right. Everybody say, stay right. Yeah, man, let's get right and stay there. That's what we're going to talk about today. Psalm 23, 3, we're going to put that verse up on the screen for you. Let's all say it together. We're going to be reading out of the King James Version, so that means we'll go to heaven if we die. So let's read it. Y'all ready? He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What? What's happened to these people right here? Was this not an awesome song this morning? Great day in the morning. Waymaker. He is a waymaker. And you might be here this morning and, and you need him to make a way. And there was a line in that song that I've said many times. And you've said it. And I, my dad's a preacher and I grew up in a preacher's house. And uh, I've heard it said all my life. God will make a way when they're what? is no way. He'll make a way when there is no way. So if you're here today and, and you need God to open a door where you don't see one, make a window, let some light in where you don't see a window. He can make one. He'll put it there for you and he'll make a way where there is no way. The message that we're going to be preaching today and that we've been preaching over the last few weeks is really directed, or has been for the last three weeks, has been directed to those who maybe are going in the wrong direction spiritually. Um, maybe you've been drifting. You've been getting away from God. You're a Christian, and you go to church, and you still have your job at the church, and, and you still, during praise and worship, lift your hands, and, and um, all of that. But you know that there's a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are today. And you've slipped back. 
Well, I got good news for you. There is always, 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 no matter what you've done, there's always a way back to God. Do you hear me? You say, oh, pastor, you don't. It doesn't matter. There's always a way back to God. You know what the prodigal son did? He looked at his dad and he said, I wish you were dead. You say, well, I didn't read that in Luke 15. He didn't say he wish his dad was dead. Well, when do you get your inheritance? When do you get it? When your parents pass. And he said, I wish you were dead now. What he was saying to his dad is, I wish you were dead. I want mine now. And his dad, with tears running down his face, gave it to him. He went off and wasted it and lived a sinful, ungodly, perverted life. And woke up one day with the pigs. You'll wake up with the pigs, I promise you. But he came to himself. Nothing like waking up with the pigs that will make you come to yourself. Amen? And the Bible says he said this. He said, my dad could hire me as a servant. And I would not be in this condition. I'm going to go back and ask my dad if he'll just hire me as a servant. I don't expect to even be a son. I've done too many bad things. I don't expect to be a son anymore. And the Bible says that that old dad was sitting up on the front porch rocking in his rocking chair probably the way he did every day. Waiting, waiting, waiting for the return of his son. The Bible says when he saw his silhouette a great way off, he knew that was his boy. He jumped up out of his chair and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him and put the family ring that had the emblem of family back on his finger. Brought the robe and put it on his back and said, Get out the grill. Amen, amen. Ain't nothing like getting the grill out, baby, to celebrate. Any of y'all having celebrations? Millie and I have some open dates. We'll let y'all know that. And he welcomed his son back home. And I don't care what you've done. There's always a way back to God. You can come home. You can come home. This message has been to those people. We talked about the ministry of the shepherd, and it's wrapped up in he restoreth my soul. That's the ministry of the shepherd. He restoreth. He restoreth. That's how the shepherd ministers to the sheep. We, like sheep, have what? Gone astray. We've gone, every one of us, in our own way. And the ministry of the shepherd is to go get us. In that same Luke 15, it talks about he'll go get us. He said, if, if there are 100 sheep and 99 of them are fine and safe and, and taken care of, but one strays away, he said, I'll leave the 99 and go after the one that's going astray. And so the ministry of the shepherd is to go get us. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is there anybody in this house this morning who God has had to go get you? Can I, I'll raise my hand. He's had to go get me, and the rest of you didn't raise your hand. The altar will be open for repentance right after my sermon. Because he's had to go get all of us, hasn't he? Well, there are three kinds of sheep he deals with. The stubborn sheep has to be ministered to with the rod of chastisement. We talked all about that. The straying sheep, the careless sheep, has to be 
minister to with the staff of correction. And the sick sheep is ministered to with the oil of comfort. Now, what I want to talk about today is the mastery of the shepherd. We've been talking about the ministry of the shepherd and how he will go get us and bring us back. But God wants to take us to an HNL. You say, what is that? Whole nother level. I stole that from Ed Young Jr. So when I say HNL, you say, God wants to, t- I'm telling you this morning, he wants to take us to another plane spiritually. And we're going to talk about that. What made David strong in God? What was it? What was it that got David right with God? How many of you know David backslid? I mean, David went away from God. You remember that whole Bathsheba episode and David got away from God? But that wasn't the only time. There were other times in David's life when he, when he didn't follow God and when he was stubborn. You remember when they went to get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back? David didn't obey God in that deal and, and, there were, and people lost their lives. How many of you know your sin affects other other people? And so David, David, there were other times in his life when David uh, got rebellious. And and as we say down here in the south, he kind of bowed up against God's will. And, and, And David was made strong again. David was brought back to God again. How was that? Through the ministry of the shepherd. The restoration, going and getting us and bringing us back. And thank God, thank God, thank God, he will go get us and bring us back. I would not be a preacher. I would not be standing here preaching today. I would not have my wonderful wife and my two wonderful boys. I would not have them if God didn't go get us when we strayed away. And I'm very thankful for that. But what I want to tell you is that God wants to put us on a path of righteousness. He wants to, he wants to take us to an HNL, whole nother level spiritually, and get us to a place where he can lead us daily and guide us daily. So that we will consistently walk in him. The word restoration assumes inconsistency. The word restoration, he restores me, assumes instability. God doesn't want you inconsistent in your walk with him. God doesn't want you to be unstable. He has restored us that he might master us. He has brought us back that we might might be mastered by him, that we might come under him thoroughly. The problem with many of us today is that all we're interested in is getting restored. But, but I want to tell you, if we don't learn to go from restoration to righteousness, if we don't learn, I'm telling you right now, if you don't learn to go from a restoration mentality to a righteousness mentality, you know what you're going to do? And this is so important. Please get this. You are going to repeat patterns in your life patterns. Some of us are in the mess we're in because we are in a pattern and the pattern has its good side but the pattern also has its bad side and we get into these patterns and when you get into patterns of behavior and you don't break those patterns they bring into your life the same old problems over and over and over. The same old patterns bring through your life the same old problems. And so the shepherd has to keep going back out there over and over and bringing you back, bringing you back. 
Too many Christians want to be right with God, but they don't want to allow God to put them on that path of righteousness, that life of consistency. And that's the reason we keep sliding back over and over and over. Listen, listen. I'm a restored sheep. Are you a restored sheep? Well, the restored sheep owes his life to the shepherd. Isn't that true? The restored sheep owes his life to the shepherd. He owes it to the shepherd to follow him closely. I mean, the shepherd went and got him. Whether it was with the rod of chastisement or the staff of correction or the oil of comfort, that shepherd went out there and got that sheep and brought him back. So now the sheep owes it to the shepherd. You know what the Bible says? If you've been forgiven much, you ought to love much. I don't know about you all. Y'all look pretty holy this morning, but I've been forgiven much. I've been forgiven much, much. And if I've been forgiven much, I ought to love much. I ought to love the shepherd much. We ought to be like that sheep that got his leg broke. You remember I told you when the shepherd had to break that sheep's leg and then put the sheep around his neck until the leg healed. And once the leg healed, he put the sheep back down. What did that sheep do from that day on? He nuzzled his nose on the shepherd's leg. That old stubborn sheep that used to just get off and, and, and fight the shepherd. Now, because he's been broken, now he just nuzzles that shepherd's leg. We ought to nuzzle the shepherd's leg every single day of our life and, and let him master us and lead us and guide us every day of our life. How many times are we going to have to fall? How many times are we going to have to stumble? How many times are we going to have to slip? How many times are we going to have to fall in the mud and fall in the briars like those sheep that would get away from the shepherd would do? How many times are we going to have to do that before we learn to get close to the shepherd and stay close to the shepherd? How do we get on a path of righteousness? Let me give you three things very quickly. I know you all are stunned that there are three things. Let me give you three things. Number one, you got to be obsessed with the shepherd. You say, well, I just feel that the word obsessed is rather strong. Well, let me tell you something, rather strong person. You're obsessed with something. Why don't we make it Jesus? I mean, we're just obsessive people. Matter of fact, Jesus talked about it in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. He said, you people are obsessed, but you're obsessed with the wrong things. And if you even back up before verse 25, you're going to find that he was talking to them about money. He used the word mammon, and it meant money or material things. And Jesus said to them, you're focusing on material things. You're focusing on temporary things. He said, you can't serve God in money. He said, you can't put God and materialism on the same level. You you can't put uh, temporary things on the same level of importance in your life as eternal things. But aren't we so guilty of that? Matter of fact, Jesus mentioned some things. And you can study this in detail later. And I'm not going to put these verses up there because we've gone over them many times. You know this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because I've preached it many, many times. Because I think it's one of those basic things that if we get down pat, it will change our perspective on the rest of the Bible. And that is where Jesus said, if you will put me first, I will add everything you're obsessed about. I'll just add that to you. 
He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. And Jesus brought up a couple of them, food and clothing. And he wasn't just talking about food and clothing. He was talking about materialism and he was talking about temporary things as opposed to eternal things. Jesus said, if you will stop obsessing about money and materialism and things and obsess about me, I'll add all that other stuff. I'll just add it to you. Is anybody listening to me out there? And we obsess about money. I do sometimes. I just bought a new house. And they took the paperwork and sit it in front of me. Wow. Here is what you paid, Mr. Hardison. Here is what you will pay in interest. And here is what you will pay for this house if you go the whole entire amount of the loan. Wow. So then I go home and I eat bologna sandwiches because I think somehow that's going to help me make the house payment. For weeks I ate bologna sandwiches and spaghetti noodles with nothing on it because I got to make this house payment. Hey, listen, let's get obsessed about Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus, do y'all know Jesus didn't just say stuff to say it? How many of you know when Jesus said something, he was like, uh, hey, here's something. I'll just say this. No. It is eternal truth. He said, if you will seek me first, I'll add all that stuff you're freaking out about. I'll just add that. If you'll just make me first. Wow. If you'll just obsess about me. See, if you're going to go from a ministry mentality to a mastery mentality, you've got to change the focus. Here's what you've got to have. You've got to have a transformation of your mind. This battle between the way our flesh views stuff and the way our spiritual part views stuff, i got to tell you, man, that's a war in you. Paul talked about it. Paul said, the thing I wish I would do that I know is right to do, I what? Don't do it. And Paul said, the thing that I, I, I wish I did do that I know is right to do, I don't do it. And the thing that and then he said, and the thing I shouldn't do, that's the thing I... Thank God. I thought that wasn't going to come out there for a minute. So Paul had that battle, man. Listen, if Paul had that battle, what makes you think you're not going to have that battle? You're going to have that battle, but you don't have to lose that battle. I heard a great black preacher preach one time, Dr. S.M. Lockridge. He said, there's two dogs in you. He said, one's the dog of the spirit and one's the dog of the flesh. Whichever one you feed, that one's going to be the strong one. And he's going to whip that other dog. I said, you know what? I have never heard that before, but that sounds good to me. That is right. Whichever dog you feed, he's going to beat that other dog up. You say, that's a crude illustration, but boy, don't it paint a good picture. Amen, amen. You've got to change your spiritual focus. To be mastered by the shepherd, you've got to move. Listen to this. You've got to move from a mentality of being brought back, brought back, brought back, brought back to a mentality of lordship where he is lord every day of your life. I see people, man. I see people get restored. Most of the time when they get restored, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. So they come and they get restored. And then after a while, just say, ding, 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 ding. Then they get in trouble because when the sheep get a, shepherd's here, shepherd's here, sheep get away from the shepherd, 
They're out from under his protection. They're out from under his wisdom. They're out from under his guidance. They're out from under the protection of his hand. They're out from under all that. So they get out here on their own. They're still one of his sheep, but they get out here on their own. And they get in a mess. And when they get in a mess, I need the shepherd. Here's what I'm saying to you today. Stop getting out there. Get close and stay close. Get strong and stay strong. Get right and stay right. It's a mind thing, guys. You say, I thought it was spiritual. It's both. It's both. The battle's in the mind, though. Listen to this. How do we change our focus? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I didn't even put this up on the screen because you know this. I don't even know if I put this in your notes. Write it down. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm reading that side of the New Translation, New Living Translation. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters. So Paul says, and so, dear brothers and sisters. So who is he talking to when he says brothers and sisters? Other Christians, believers, the church. He isn't talking to unbelievers. Because what Paul's talking about right here, unbelievers don't comprehend it. They don't get it. They don't understand it. they got to come to Jesus first. How many of you know there are things you're never going to understand spiritually till you meet Jesus? I mean, you can have as many degrees, you can have so many degrees, you look like a thermometer. But I'm telling you, there's some things you're not going to know until you know Jesus. Because they are discerned spiritually. There are some things that are only discerned spiritually. And you're not going to be able to discern or understand those things until you come close to the shepherd. Then understanding comes. Psalm 73, the guy was away from God, so he got a perspective of wicked people who prosper. Y'all remember me bringing that up earlier? He had, a, he had a twisted, perverted view of wicked people who prosper. And he got really mad at God because he was a Christian and he wasn't doing very well financially. And he looked over here at this guy who was uh, um, a heathen. I mean, he was really barbaric against God and, and blasphemed God's name. And you can read all about it in Psalm 73. Don't read it now. I know it might be more interesting than my sermon, but please wait till you get home. And, and so he got really mad at God. And so when you get to verse 17... You find out that the reason he was mad at God and had this perverted view is because he had been away from God. He said, once I got back into the presence of God, then I understood it wasn't about this life. It's about the next one. You got to get close. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. Give your bodies to God. Let your body be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. Listen to this question Paul asked them. When you think of what he's done for you, is this too much to ask? You say, this lordship deal, that sounds pretty heavy to me. Well, let me ask you what Paul asked them. When you think of what he's done for you, is it too much to ask that you would make him lord of your life? When you think about the fact that he feeds you, takes care of you. When you think about the fact that he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb to be forgotten, and rose from the dead so that you could not only have life here but eternal life, is it too much to ask that you would give him your heart and that you would give him your life? That's what Paul asked these people. And then in verse 2 he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Well, what's the behavior and customs of the world? Materialism, temporary things. Isn't that the truth? I look at TV all the time. I see all these people focusing on materialism and temporary things. They're miserable. They're miserable, and they got it. I mean, they got all the stuff that says if you get it, you'll be happy, and they're not. 
They're not happy. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Here it is, here it is, here it is. Here's the key. But let God transform you into a new person. How, God? By changing the way you think. Right there it is in the Bible. Romans 12, 2. By, by the transformation of your brain, your mind, the way you think. Then, when he transforms your mind, then, Paul says, you will know. Just like Psalm 73. Once he transforms you and gets you right, then you'll know what God wants you to do. And you'll know how good and pleasing and perfect his will for your life really is. You know what most people think? They think giving your life to God is bad medicine you have to take to get to heaven. Can I tell you something? I would give my life to him if there were no heaven. I'm telling you. I don't serve God and go, well, you know, it's hard being a Christian. But I'm going to serve God and I'm going to bite the bullet. Get me a piece of leather. Just really chew down on it because it's hard to be a Christian. But I'm going to be a Christian because when I die, I want to go to heaven. I want you to know I want to be a Christian if there were no heaven or hell. Now, thank God there is a heaven. I have that to look forward to. But i got to tell you something. My life's better now. My life's better here since giving myself to him. Are y'all with me out there? To move from ministry to mastery requires a change in your thinking. To move from restoration. Go get me and bring me back. Go get me, bring me back. Go get me, bring me back. To move from ministry to restoration You've got to let God change your mind. Now, that only happens, listen, this is key to my sermon. That transformation of your mind is a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit in you. It is not something you can find a book at Barnes & Noble on how to be the best you you can be. It is not natural. This transformation of the mind that I'm talking about is an act of God. It is an act of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. And you will not have this transformation until you submit to the saturation, baptism, infilling, whatever in the world you want to call it, total control of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's an act of God. So you come before him and you fast and you pray and you seek him and you yield your life to him because you understand that this transformation from, from restoration, go get me, go get me, go get me because I keep straying away, straying away, straying away to get away from that and get into a consistent life. There has to come a change in my thinking and that thinking only happens by the touch of his mighty hand. So we got to be obsessed with the shepherd. Number two, you got to observe the shepherd. Now I'll hurry through this. Sheep do not see very well. They don't have very good eyesight. If you'll really notice, sheep are always wearing glasses. That's something I've noticed about sheep. They've always got glasses. I just say stuff like that sometimes, see if y'all are listening. Um, sheep do not have good eyesight. So, listen to this. Listen. If they're going to see the shepherd... So they'll know where the shepherd's leading them. And so they'll know the will of the shepherd. And so they can be under the protective hand of the shepherd. And so they can enjoy the wisdom of the shepherd. They got to stay close to the shepherd. 
because they can't see well. We like, y'all are all blind as a bat. Everybody say bat. Thank you. Oh, I heard a couple of goats in there. Okay. So how do we observe the shepherd? Let me give you some things real quickly. We observe the shepherd through spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline. These are patterns in your life that you don't currently have. You need to get some other patterns going. Here is the definition of insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing you've always done and expecting different results. Ain't going to happen. You keep doing the same stuff you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same results. You've got to break the bad patterns in your life. And so you, you write it down. I mean, get a piece of paper, get in front of that computer screen, and write yourself a spiritual growth plan. And put prayer and how much you're going to pray. And I don't mean get legalistic about it now, where if you miss a day, you're, you're all depressed and you think God doesn't love you anymore. That's, look, God isn't about condemnation. There's a difference in condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is from Satan. He wants to condemn you. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And condemnation pushes you away from God. It says you're not good enough. Stay away. Stay away from God. Stay away from God. That's the voice of the enemy. Conviction says you messed up. Come here. You messed up. Come here. That's the voice of God. Y'all with me? So, so condemnation, when you feel condemned, that's not God. That's not God in your life. When you hear the voice going, come here, you fell down, you stumbled, you scratched your knee, come here, come here. I'm your daddy, I'm your father, come here. So it's conviction. And so spiritual disciplines, let me just give you some of them, and I can't talk about them because we don't have time. Prayer, you know what that is? Fasting. Fasting, and it doesn't have to be food. Study fasting. Study it. There's some excellent books out on fasting. In January, we're going to go through a 21-day fast right here at Whitley Church. We're not, none of us, any of us are going to eat anything for 21 days. It's going to be awesome. I'm just kidding. I'm doing the Bojangles fast. So, <laughs> so we're going to fast 21 days. Elijah House leaders, national leaders are coming here and minister. And this church will be packed for like a week as people come from all over the country for training. And we'll be fasting during that time and learning how to pray for other people, minister to other people, kind of understanding where some of the root problems in our lives come from. Y'all with me? Y'all up for that in January? Put it on your calendar, I'm telling you. January's a big month for us here at Whitley. Prayer, fasting, community. Some of y'all hanging around the wrong people. Ask the person beside of you, should I be hanging around with you? Ask them right now. I'm just kidding. Listen, community. Some of us are with the wrong people. I don't mean you're with sinful people necessarily. You could be. That could be the problem. People are leading you into sin. But, but you could be with Christians who aren't walking close to the shepherd, and they're all negative and gossipy and down in the mouth. And every time you get around them, they got something bad to say about somebody. I'm telling you, I can't stand that. I can't stand it. When I see that person coming, I'm running. Not toward them either. The other way. Amen, amen. How many of you know fear rub off on you? Negativism rubs off on you. 
You say, well, I'm going to get really close to them because I'm going to help them. I'm going to tell you something. You need to help them, but you need to be very careful that they're not influencing you. And you need to be in community with people who are going to lead you where you want to go. Who are going to have an impact on your life that take you where you want to go spiritually. Small groups, peer groups are coming up in the fall. We're going to get those cranking. You need to get in a peer group. You need to get in a small group. We need homes to have these meetings in. We need leaders for these groups. So step up, step up. I believe there's a meeting today. Is there a meeting today? Look in your worship program. Some It's coming soon. So we got to observe it. Now let me, let me just say this, and this is not in your notes. I wrote this in. Spiritual disciplines, you remember earlier we were talking about supernatural transformation? Spiritual disciplines equal, that equals supernatural transformation of the mind. When you begin to do your spiritual disciplines, that will bring about supernatural transformation that I was talking about over there in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Spiritual discipline. It's not overnight. It's not overnight. It's not overnight. We Pentecostals and Charismatics, you know what we want? We want somebody to lay hands on us and have a shortcut to spiritual maturity. It ain't going to happen. There's no shortcut to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity comes day by day, getting in good patterns of behavior, good patterns. There was one thing I didn't mention in the spiritual disciplines, and that service, volunteering, getting involved, serving. All right, number three, you got to be obsessed. You got to observe the shepherd. Number three, you got to obey the shepherd. Jesus said, the third thing, Jesus said, you got to obey me. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and when they hear my voice, I know them, and they, they obey, they follow me. So the way we hear the shepherd is through meditation. Y'all remember chewing the cud? You remember we're going to get t-shirts that say, chew the cud, you know, instead of get her done. And uh, people are going to see that t-shirt and think, we're weird, and they'll be right. The Bible says, well, what we ought to get is a t-shirt that says, chew the cud, and on the back have say, we're peculiar people. Because we are. What does chew the cud mean? It means they bring back up all those things they've read, all the things you've studied, all the sermons you've heard. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, one of the mistakes we're making in the spiritual development of our lives is we're reading good stuff, listening to good stuff and all that, but we're not having any quiet time so God can take that logos and turn it into rhema. Logos is the word of God, the written word of God, the truth of the word of God. But God wants to speak to you personally out of the logos. He has a rhema for your personal individual life. But if you don't ever get quiet, he can't tell you. And if he can't tell you, you can't obey him. Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know what most of us are trying to do? And this is very important that you hear me. Most of us are trying to get out of trouble rather than stay in righteousness. Most of us spend most of our time trying to get out of trouble rather than getting into righteousness. Listen very carefully to me. There's the sin of omission as well as the sin of commission. Now, we all know about the sin of commission, lying, cheating, stealing, you know, all the, I mean, we can gossip, we can name all the sins you commit, but there are also sins of omission. And that means not only does God hold you accountable for stuff you do you ought not to do, he also holds us accountable for stuff we ought to be doing that we're not doing. Are y'all hearing me? 
You know what I found out about Farrell Hardison? I'm not going to judge you, but what, you know what I found out about me? If I'm focusing on things that I ought to be doing, there's a, I, I do a whole lot less of what I ought not to be doing. When I'm doing what I ought to be doing, prayer, that list, prayer, fasting, service, being with the right people, all those things, I, when I, I find that when I really focus on doing the right things and, and, and I focus on uh, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I just kind of look back in my life and I go, you know what? That old thing I used to keep falling into, I'm not falling into that anymore. Focus on doing the right thing and you'll do a whole lot less of the wrong thing. This is deep preaching you get it. It's very simple, but it's profound. I don't know about y'all, but I'm just, I, I, I want to get out of this pattern where I fall down and they get me up and I fall down and they get me up and I fall down and God gets me up. That's no way to live a Christian life. You'll make it to heaven that way, but you'll make it to heaven the way I passed to algebra. I just made it. I don't want to get to heaven like that. Do you? So let's get out of this restoration and let's get into lordship. It's kind of like the football guy, Mike Colon. Mike Colon played football for Auburn. And when he got out of Auburn, he went to the Miami Dolphins. He played several years for the Miami Dolphins. And then he got out of the Miami Dolphins and retired. And the coach at Auburn called him and said, Hey, Mike, I want you to come back and be a scout for me. And I want you to go around to the high schools all over the country. And I want you to look for the kind of player we want on our team. And then I want you to come back and tell me about him. Mike said, all right. He said, coach, what kind of guy we want? He said, what am I looking for? He said, I love being a scout for you. What am I looking for? He said, hey, Mike. He said, you know that guy that you knock him down and he stays down, he won't get back up? He said, yeah, coach, we don't want him, do we? He said, no, we don't want him. I mean, if you knock him down, he stays down. We don't want him. He said, but Mike, then there's a guy you knock him down and he gets up. But if you knock him down again, he won't get back up. He said, we don't want him either, do we, coach? He said, no, we don't want him either. He said, but Mike, there's a guy, you knock him down, he gets up. 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 He said, that's the guy we want, ain't it, coach? He said, no, we don't want him either. I want you to find that guy that's knocking everybody down. (laughs) That's the guy we want. Amen? I'm telling you right now, I'm grateful God gets me up when I fall, and he gets me up when I fall, and he gets me up when I fall. But wouldn't it be good to just get up and stay up? I want to get off the defensive. I want to get on the offense. I want to do some knocking. I want somebody to stand it up in a testimony service and I don't want to hear I got knocked down by the devil, but God help me get back up. And I'm back up now and I just want to praise the Lord. I mean, who doesn't want to be that kind of Christian? That's exciting. I want somebody to get up and testify and go, you know, I beat the tar out of the devil today. Just want to let everybody know. Hallelujah. I want to do some knocking. Amen? Am I making any sense here this morning? I know I've kind of lost my mind, but stay with me. Here's what I'm saying. I want to be a force for God. I don't want to be a casualty. There are people in church that are casualty all the time. Praise the Lord. Don't you want Jesus in your life? I have Jesus in my life. Oh, yes, I can't wait. Please lead me to your Jesus. Let's see. You're saved. I'm not saved. You're more depressed than I am. 
in closing, which means what? Absolutely nothing. The third thing we got to do is not just the ministry of the shepherd and the mastery of the shepherd, but you might go, why? Pastor, why have we got to move from restoration to, to lordship? Why have we got to move from restoration to righteousness? For his name's sake. Because see, it's a bad testimony. We'll call this the, the majesty of the shepherd. Because when you're up and down and you're up and down and you're up and down and you keep falling and you keep falling and you keep falling, it's a bad testimony. Now, we've all had to be restored. But God never intended for restoration to be a lifestyle. For his name's sake, get right with God and stay right with God so that your life of consistently consistency will bring glory to his name. What is his name? Jehovah. Jehovah, the most sacred, holiest name for God in the Bible. Jehovah is my shepherd. What's at stake? His glory. What's at stake by how we live our lives? His glory. What's at stake by how we live our lives? His honor. What's at stake by how we behave and how we walk and how we live consistently? What's at stake? His name. His name is at stake. How you live your life either gives God a good name or it gives God a bad name. And I'm going to tell you, there's an old song years and years ago. My wife used to sing this song, but it's powerful and real today. You're the only Jesus some people ever see. You say, well, they need to get their eyes off me and look at Jesus. I understand that, and I preach that all the time, but I'm going to tell you something. They don't look at Jesus first. They look at you first. They look at you who claim to love him and you who claim to serve him. And they're going to get their idea of whether or not they want him by how you behave and how you talk and how you react. And how you live. The shepherd's reputation is based on the welfare of the sheep. It's based on the obedience of the sheep. And it's based on the lifestyle of the sheep. Jesus said when we pray, pray our Father who art in heaven. What? Holy, 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 holy. Holy be thy name. Holy be thy name. Solomon said, I love this. His name is like ointment poured out. When they talked to Mary about Jesus coming, they said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, because Jesus means Jehovah saves. Thou shalt call his name Jehovah saves, for he shall Save his people from their sins. If I'm his sheep and he's my shepherd. I don't want to do anything to disgrace his name. But I have. I've done things that have disgraced his name. The darkest moments of my life. 
or when I know I have done something that dishonors the name of my Savior. And I've done it. You know, if Jesus could walk up here today, he could stand behind this podium. You know what I believe he would say to us? He would say, now, you're about to leave. You're about to go and leave and just remember whose you are. Remember whose you are. You're about to walk out the door of the sanctuary and go out there into the world. Now, you don't forget whose you are. You're my little lambs. You're my little sheep. You're the people of my pasture. So now listen, your lifestyle out there and your behavior is linked to my name. So when you go out there, you let me lead you on a path of righteousness. And don't be falling and stumbling, but you put your hand in my hand. Let me lead you on a path of righteousness so that my name will be honored and glorified by how you live. I know a name that's, I know a soul that's steeped in sin that no man's art can cure. But I know a name, a precious name, that can make that soul all pure. I know a life that's lost to God, bound down by the things of earth. But I know a name, a precious name. That can bring that soul new birth. Jesus. How precious. Is his name. In 2 Timothy. 2.19. Guys don't even put it up on the screen. I want to just talk about it. In 2 Timothy 2.19. It says if you name the name of Jesus. Do you name the name of Jesus? I do. I mean, he's my Savior. I name the name of Jesus. It says, if you name the name of Jesus, depart from all sin. Depart from all sin so that his name will be honored. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the truth of your gospel today, oh God. Thank you that the choir reminded us you're the way maker. Thank you for showing up this morning at Whitley and teaching us your word. In Jesus' name. Everybody watch me. After service is over, we're gonna, I'm going to be up here. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be happy to pray with you. I'd like for some of my other prayer ministry team, ladies and men as well, if you would kind of come up here and if anybody would like to have special prayer, we're going to be up here to pray for you. If you're our guest today, don't forget your gift and information bag. We're so glad to have you at Whitley Church. We love you. Have a great day. God bless you.